Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner and owner of uh, Manager and Associates Financial Planning. I am really excited for this series that I am uh, instituting here. Uh, for those of you who know me personally, uh, I am very much a sports fan. Uh, in fact, more so baseball, if I were to pick any one sport, played it and also you know, helped my son all the way through, playing through college, and he also uh, still plays, uh, not professionally, but he still plays. Um, I have some great guests coming up. Um, um, today's guest is a former pro baseball player. Um, next week's guest was also uh, a former uh, player, but also a college baseball coach. So that'll be two episodes coming up. Uh, then in about a month or two, I plan to uh, have back-to-back -back weeks where I'm going to be bringing in a former Penn State football player who also played in the pros for 11 years. And I will also have uh, a woman in here who will be uh, talking about women's sports. So fundamentally, what I'm trying to accomplish here as I tie it into financial planning is uh, get past all of the excitement that I have, um, you know, talking to and interviewing uh, folks who are uh, athletes. But to tie it into financial planning, you know, we work constantly with clients who have children who are thinking about going to college or student athletes who are really good. And the question becomes, are they good enough to make it to the pros? Um, should I go to college first instead of going to the pros? And what are the things that I might be able to do to help improve my chances of getting into the college of my choice? And of course, the college of the parent's choice is the one that involves the least amount of money, which means how can we get financial aid in the form of uh, scholarships, et cetera. So uh, today's guest is Mark Davis. Uh, Mark Davis uh, lives in uh, the LA area. Uh, Mark was a former professional baseball player, uh, graduated from Stanford University, was drafted by the White Sox. I guess I'm telling you everything that I wanted him to say. So um, how I met Mark is he was one of the coaches of my son's college team, got to know him, a great, great guy. And so he is also a business professional in the LA area. And Mark is a criminal defense attorney. And with no further ado, let's welcome Mark. Mark, thank you very much for coming to my show. It is absolutely a, a pleasure and a privilege to have you on. And it's good to see you again. Good to see you, Mike. I'm glad to be here and uh, looking forward to having a nice conversation. That's good. I think the biggest problem you and I are going to have uh, is being able to keep this within 30 minutes. Because once <laughs> I start talking about baseball, and that's me, I can imagine you can talk for hours on the subject. And so what I would like to be able to do is, is take an opportunity for you to talk to us about, uh, tell the viewers, you know, what do you do? Tell me about your business. I know you're an attorney, but, uh, you know, tell me about your business. Okay, so I, uh, when I came out of law school, I, I took a job at the district attorney's office, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in Riverside County. And I was there for about four years, uh, just to kind of give you my background. I was there for about four years working in the DA's office. I left for a year and a half to be a baseball agent, uh, where I worked for IMG out of New York. Uh, then left that after about a year and a half, decided to start my own firm in 2003. 
I was just going to come out and do basic criminal defense. However, as it turns out, uh, my business morphed into primarily representing non-citizen defendants. Uh, I had a couple of buddies who were immigration lawyers, and this is right after 9-11, and so they were the immigration people were working hard to kick a lot of people out of the country if you had any type of crime at all. And so immigration lawyers were scrambling to find people to defend against these types of cases so that people with families uh, would not just be kicked out of the country. Uh, and so we had to, you know, they, had, they needed somebody who knew the ins and outs of the criminal court. I was that guy, and, and my practice has morphed into primarily now representing non-citizen defendants who have either committed an offense or are currently charged with an offense and the offense that they're charged with or that they previously committed makes them ineligible to stay with their family or to get legal status if they don't have it already. And so uh, since 2003, that's been about 80% of the work that I do. Uh, I'm still, I still am on a criminal defense panel out of Riverside County where I take some of the most serious cases that have nothing to do with your immigration status, just basic criminal defense, uh, where I take murder cases and gang related cases and very serious felony cases. And, and of course, anyone else that calls me, uh, I, I take, you know, basic criminal defense cases, DUIs domestic violence, the whole the whole nine. But if I had two primary buckets, it's my immigration-related defense and regular criminal defense, very serious cases. Uh, and so that's that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, and, and we fight for people's rights. Um, people think that prosecutors do that. That is not true. It is the criminal defense attorney who is making sure that the system is working on your behalf, making sure that the Constitution is being followed and that all of your rights are, are being uh, respected. And so uh, that's what we do here. And I'm proud of what I do. I like it. It's a good gig, especially since I'm my own boss. That's <laughs> Gotta love the old uh, being your own boss. There's no doubt. Uh, however, be careful what you ask for because being your own boss enables you to have the control over your schedule. But guess what? Uh, as we all know, as being business owners, it has its drawbacks. Oh, so we work all the time. I understand too that you're also fluent in Spanish. Si soy. Yo hablo español todos los días. Casi todos mis clientes hablan español. Basically, I said I, I speak Spanish every day. Basically, all of my clients speak Spanish. I figured that. The rare day that I don't speak. Um, well, it's the rare day that I speak English in my office. I, I, I figured that, particularly being in Southern California. And, you know, one of the things that I found, you know, just been going, uh, you know, watch my son uh, over in Southern California, out in Pasadena, that there's a lot of you? Mexican population down there. Can I stop you? I you just may. have to stop you because you seem to be underselling your son, who I know as a former player of mine was a stud. And you say out in California, like it's just somewhere. Your son was a stud at Caltech. The, probably the top academic institution in the United States of America. So don't don't undersell your son, who was my favorite player when we played when he played for us. Um, don't undersell him. He was a stud. You've done well to have raised a great young man. 
and uh, I was I was proud to be associated with that institution. We we brought it from nowhere uh, to to somebody. It was it was good, and, and and your son was a big part of that transformation. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, I will tell you that uh, as a parent of kids who both of my kids and my son specifically that you're talking about. Uh, he'll be, if you can believe it or not, he'll be 27 uh, in a couple months. And one of the things that yeah, I'm such a huge supporter of youth sports um, and youth activities, really. It's not just sports. I mean, you know, band and, and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. I'm, I'm a huge supporter of youth activities. Um, but one of the things that I tell people, and I just got done telling someone else just a few, day, a few days ago, cherish these days. Because I can speak from experience, these days are now over. And enjoy those days where you have the opportunity to participate, even if it's as a spectator, for your kids' sports, because those days aren't going to last forever. And so, uh, you know, I met you uh, as one of the coaches of my son's team. And, you know, I liked all of the coaches. And if you don't know it already, and I know you do, but for the viewers, uh, next week's episode is going to have the manager of that Caltech baseball team that you were one of the coaches on. And that's four years of my life that I will never uh, forget. And thank you very much for that. So um, back to your business again, you referenced um, the, the what you say, the criminal defense panel. Uh, what is that? I mean, you, you're, is it a, a pool of people where, tell me, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Okay, so in, in every county, you'll have you have the prosecution, you have the public defender. Sometimes okay. you have even an alternate public defender, all paid by the county. Uh, and then they may have, whenever the public defender has a conflict, or if the alternate public defender may have a conflict, they have a team of attorneys, private attorneys, that work on a panel. It's a you know it's basically a criminal defense bar of private attorneys that sometimes get assigned or they ask for cases that uh, are conflicts for the other groups. And they're all private attorneys, uh, you know, and, and you go in, you accept a case, they get, you know, you get paid by the county in essence. It's, it's, not, it's not like a uh, Pro privately retained case because you get significantly less money because you're being paid by the county. But... Uh, you you know you'll get a case that you would not have otherwise had, um, and the county will be paying you. So it's not you know you're not doing it for nothing, but you're not doing it for the same amount that you would normally charge. Sure, if it sure. It's paid. a marketing type of thing. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I suppose as a business owner, it's your opportunity to take on more cases and interesting cases. So I right. can certainly understand, but it's not pro bono, or is pro bono as we all know it truly free or is it like what you're doing, it's freer, but you are getting paid. Is pro bono for free? Pro bono is free. Okay, it is. so is, it is different. Uh, someone comes in, they pull at my heartstring enough, they don't have any money. <laughs> I've, I've tried to convince them that they probably need to go to the public defender, but for whatever reason, I am moved enough to say, you know what, I'm going to do this case for free because I don't like the situation you're in, and I'm moved to try to help change your situation. Well, good. Um, good. And it's a feel-good story, too, if you can help folks. Certainly. So um, what was I going to ask you? I forgot. Um, I guess I want to ask you a personal question, and maybe for the viewers. You know, 
I think we've all had that situation where we get pulled over. Um, do you recommend anything in particular? I mean, one of the things that I've always done, and this is, and I've heard different attorneys, and if you can't say this, uh, I understand. You can, you know, work your way around this one. You know, when I get pulled over for going faster than the speed limit, which is basically my routine speed, um, I always say, oh, gee, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how fast I was going. Uh, I've had actually people say, tell them you were going the speed limit, which I feel like that's lying, which it is. Uh, what do you encourage? For if I get pulled over and the cop asks me how fast were you going, what's your recommendation? What, do you, what should I tell the cop? Uh, one, you don't want to talk to the cop. All right. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I, I grew up, my, my dad was a police officer. He was a Marine. I grew up in a law enforcement household. I was a prosecutor for four years. I'm pro-law enforcement. But now I'm a criminal defense attorney, and most people simply don't know the rights that they have and are uh, afraid that if they say something wrong, they're going to be arrested. Uh, and that might be true if you say something wrong. If you don't say anything, chances are you're not going to be arrested. So uh, you asked the, the cop, you know, why did you stop me? They, if they're asking you questions, that you don't need to answer those questions. And people don't realize that it is the cop's obligation to tell you why he stopped you. Not if he asks you how fast were you going. No, you you tell me. I mean, I, I don't know why you stopped. Could have been for any any number of reasons. And if you open your mouth and you give them a reason then all of a sudden they have probable cause to write you a ticket for this or that. Or if they ask you, as is frequently the case, uh, do you have any contraband in your, in your car? Do you have any guns or weapons or knives? Let's say you have guns or weapons or knives. Uh, th that's not a question you want to answer. So I don't have anything. Uh, I just need to know why you stopped me. Uh, do you mind if I search your car? Yes, I mind. Do you have probable cause to search my car? Uh, and it may not happen to you as much as it's happened to me, uh, but people sometimes will just stop you because they look at you and they think that you look like a criminal. And that's wrong. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, you just need to let you, you need to know the rights that you have. Unless an officer has probable cause, then they need to tell you why they stopped you. If they're asking you questions, you don't have to answer those questions. If they want to look in your car, unless they have probable cause to do so, they don't have the right unless you give it to them. And so that's one of the things that I tell people, hey, look, ask them if they have probable cause to search your car. If you don't, interesting. then no, you can't search my car. Okay, that's interesting. Well, and, uh, I'd like to pivot now and start talking about your baseball career. And this is the part that w we can't do in four hours, but I don't know how we could possibly do it. So before I get into that, let me ask you a question. Um, how do you feel um, your baseball career prepared you to become an attorney that you are now? Or didn't it at all? Well, one of, one of the things that it did is that it afforded me the opportunity to go to a number of Latin American countries uh, where I perfected, where I didn't say perfected, but certainly improved my Spanish speaking skills. I, I played winter ball in Mexico. I played winter ball in Puerto Rico. I played winter ball in Venezuela. And uh, that, that usually from September through January after the minor league baseball season. And so uh, I improved my language skills. And as it turns out now, primarily, I would say 85% 
of my clients are Spanish speaking. So that, that was uh, certainly good fortune for me. The, the, the thing about playing pro ball or the thing about being an athlete just generally is if you are competitive, uh, that translates. That translates even if you never played pro ball. Uh, if you're just an athlete and you are a competitive person, your desire to be successful uh, will translate and you'll do what is necessary to be successful. So just being an athlete generally, I think, has helped me uh, in my profession because it's, it's uh, inspired me to work hard enough to have success. Nobody, nobody wants to be a loser. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because then it becomes the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg. If you weren't competitive, you wouldn't have been a pro baseball player, right? So it sounds to me that, that you know, again, the chicken or the egg, you were competitive, which gave you a lot of the drive and combine that with talent. And there you are and you became a baseball player. So uh, tell me a little bit about your baseball career. I know you played at Stanford. Um, you know, four years at Stanford. Is that four years? Four years at Stanford. And uh, then I'll you got you drafted? A here's, a, here's a little tidbit that most people don't know. Okay, so I played at Hoover High School in San Diego, same place where Ted Williams went ah. to high school, played on Ted Williams Field. We were the Cardinals, all right, Hoover High Cardinals. I went to Stanford, which is the Stanford Cardinal. With OS. Out of high school, I was drafted in the fifth round by the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, you and your Cardinal thing. Well, I'm just saying, high school, I was a Cardinal. I, I had committed to Stanford, which was the Cardinal. I was drafted out of high school by the St. Louis Cardinals. That was a little tidbit that they put in the Sports Illustrated in 1982. Cool. So uh, just, you know, just tidbits. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I went to Stanford, played four years at Stanford. I was drafted by the White Sox, traded to the Angels, spent eight days in the big leagues with the Angels. Uh, and primarily my career was a minor league career. Uh, like I said, eight, eight, nine days in the big leagues with the Angels, but nine years as a professional. I'm still bitter that I only got eight days. My brother, as you know, spent 10 years in the big leagues, nine or 10 years. Uh, and I was hoping to have a career as long as his. Uh, didn't work out that way, but, you know, I've, I've worked out a decent uh, professional career just the same. All good stuff. Your brother is older than you? He's older than me. How he many is. years? Uh, my brother Mike, he was born in 59. That makes him five years older than me. Okay. Okay. And for, for the viewers, I learned this from my son. He said, oh, did you know that Mark Davis's brother was the guy on second base for the infamous Kirk Gibson home run in the game two of the, was it 1988 World Series? Where he could barely walk? So, and as soon as he told me that, he wasn't even done telling me. I was typing in Google, and he got the Kirk GI, and the first thing that pops up on Google is Kirk Gibson home run, and, you know, gave me chills, and just in talking about it today, it gives me the chills. And you were telling me last week, another thing I didn't know, you showed me a picture of you and Dave Winfield, and Dave Winfield was your idol. Tell me the I Dave grew, Winfield story. You know, I, I grew up in San Diego, like I just mentioned. And Dave Winfield was first a San Diego Padre. And so he was the face of the organization. He was who I wanted to be. I used to imitate him getting into the box, can still do so to this day. Uh, and so to, to be in spring training with him in 19, I don't know, was it 1990, 91, whatever it was, 
and then to be called up and and be on the same team with him in the major leagues, and then to be sent into the game for Dave Winfield, uh, you know that that is one of the highlights of my life and something I'll never forget. How could it not be? Dave Winfield is in the Hall of Fame, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I do have a picture of Dave Winfield on the wall on my basement uh, as a Yankee. Sorry. I know you're probably most people, especially those on the West Coast, particularly in the L.A. area, are not much of Yankee fans. But so let me ask you another question. So why did you choose Stanford over being drafted? I mean, you were drafted. Why did you choose to go to college instead? And and what did I want to be able to send a message to our viewers who may be high school athletes? Do you encourage college? Do you say draft? Please tell me. No, I, I absolutely encourage college, and, and I was very fortunate. Uh, uh, Scott Boris, who is the super agent, oh yeah, was, he was my advisor out of high school. I was, I was interesting. I didn't know they pick. could do that. I thought you had to be. I thought you couldn't do that unless was, you signed. He was an advisor, okay. which means that I could talk to him about my situation. You know, I wasn't paying him anything. Uh, and he encouraged me, he says, look, at the, at the end of the day, uh, your talent level will give you an opportunity to be drafted multiple times. And so unless they come at you with a, a ridiculous sum, uh, I would advise you uh, to take a Stanford education. That, that's something you'll get that and another opportunity to be drafted in the future. And so that's, that's what I did. I, I still appreciate that advice because it turned out to be the best advice I ever received. Uh, for, for those people whose children may get an opportunity, if they also have an opportunity to go to college, they should go to college because the, the reality is that the vast majority of athletes are not going to get an opportunity to play professionally. And if they do get an opportunity to, to play professionally, they're probably not going to make it to the major leagues. That, those numbers are astronomically low. Uh, and so if you have the opportunity to to create another avenue for yourself. And you'll still probably, if, you, if you're good enough and you've been drafted, you'll probably be drafted again and you will get at some point an opportunity uh, down the road. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's a dream of yours, you're not a student and you have an opportunity, then take it. But if, if you are a semi-student uh, and, and have an opportunity and think you're gonna be drafted again, then absolutely get your education I think that's that's the, the most important thing. That's great advice. And so what advice, I assume that you probably gave the same advice to your son, who's now, I believe, a, a junior at Northeastern? My son is a junior at Northeastern. Uh, he wasn't going to get drafted. He played at a very small private school. Um, but, you know, he's, he's grown. He's big. Uh, he, he may get an opportunity. He's still got four years of eligibility. Redshirt his first year. Last year was the pandemic. And, and so he, he's a junior, but he still has these four years of eligibility left. Well, so we'll see. He, he, he may be there for another three years, and we'll, we'll see how that all works Well, out. good opportunity to get his master's, right? <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> so that's all good. Uh, if, if you can believe it or not, we're almost wrapping up here. Um, we and this how, is, can we be, how can we be done? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That stinking clock is getting in the way. 
Um, but, you know, this has been terrific. Mark, like I said, we could chat for hours on this, and, and I would love to chat for hours on this. But I'd like to spin back to, to your professional career again, if I could. Um, is there anything that you would like to add? I would like you, again, take this opportunity uh, to, to tell the viewers, um, you know, how they might be able to get a hold of you, anything that you would recommend that the viewers would benefit from. And, again, I, I want it to be... How can someone get a hold of you that may not know how? Okay, I'll, I'll leave. Uh, I'll leave you with a couple of email addresses. There's a there's info at madlawonline.com. Uh, that's the way that goes directly to my assistant. Uh, they can email me directly at legallymad, the number four, the letter U at gmail.com. Legallymad4u at gmail.com. Uh, if they have questions, if they have uh, you know. Anything criminal related, I'm happy to talk to people. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I think people don't realize the rights that they have, and, and oftentimes uh, law enforcement takes advantage of the ignorance of the, of the public by basically asking them to incriminate themselves, and most people don't realize that they don't have to necessarily say anything to law enforcement and that it is their burden to have probable cause to get you to talk to them and, and you don't have to. And so anyway, I'll, I'll leave you with that. Um, yeah, we're, uh, appreciated. And by the way, for those viewers mad, you know, we can joke around and say, you know, Mark's kind of mad and you know, so am I, but that's his initials. So I'll give you a break Mark on that. Is. So that people don't yes. think that you're legally mad, legally mad for you at Gmail. That's kind of funny. But, uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Mark. I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciated you being my guest on today's show. Um, I hope that, you know, this provides an opportunity uh, for you. But at the same time, too, uh, as I indicated before, this is the beginning of um, two sets of sets, if you will, of bringing in and tying um, high school, college sports and even professional sports, because we had the pleasure of having a professional athlete on here. Um, I just want to be able to tie it. I would love to be able to have a panel for everybody on it. I don't know if we can do that or how we can do that, but certainly if the day comes, I would love to invite you to be part of that panel. So um, next week's episode, uh, I am going to be having uh, Matt Mark, who I'm pleased also was the um, head coach or manager of the uh, Caltech baseball team. And, you know, that's where Mark was, and that's where my son went to school. So I want to be able to touch upon what he does for business as well as um, the whole concept of recruiting because he was a baseball coach for many years. So until next week, I hope you have a great week, and I'll see you soon. Once again, I'm Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner, and we'll see you next week.